Welcome to Return to Oz Minute, the podcast where we analyze the 1985 Disney classic, cult classic according to some Wikipedia entries, Return to Oz. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And we're joined once again by Andrew Hawthorne. Yeah, uh, you know, some might call it an occult classic because there's all kinds of witches and, and weirdness going on here. That terrifies me. It just came up. I, I was going to do, a, you know, one reminded me of Clash of the Titans Minute at a Time. And then I was like, I've got other movie references in my notes, too, though. Um, this is a great minute if you, like me, grew up obsessed with uh, Clash of the Titans, Donald Sutherland, and Rocky Horror. Those are the three that pop out from my notes. Uh, wow. Obviously, from that, we're talking about Minute 80 of Return to Oz. It starts with the Gnome King and Dorothy talking. Uh, TikTok has just entered to make his guesses, leaving them alone. And it ends with a rock face reporting on the Army of Oz. Or the Royal Army of Oz, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think he just says the Army of Oz, though. Um, yeah. Uh, so this conversation, a lot happens. Um, can I, can I add some stuff? We were talking a bit about, uh, Nicole Williamson, who plays the Gnome King here, uh, Mm -hmm. in the last minute. And, and he has the most bizarre didactic delivery in this, in, in the whole movie. And, you know, he's obviously doubling as, as the, the therapist, the electroshock therapist at the yeah. beginning of the movie. Air quotes therapist. <laughs> quote, quote. Um, and it, honestly, if you imagine a teacher or a therapist talked down to you on the level that he is talking down to Dorothy throughout, and especially in this minute, you would have a psychotic break. Like you would not be able to listen <laughs> to this guy. No, no, my slippers. You know, oh man, he's nuts. But um, of course, uh, he probably is best known for playing Merlin in uh, in John Borman's Excalibur, which came out a few years before this, and is equally nuts in that. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, John Borman, of course, right before Excalibur, directed a little movie called Zardoz. Zardoz based on The Wizard of Oz. So we're totally coming full circle here on on this this really bizarre actor. It's all connected. I do yeah. wonder if some of that, obviously, like the way he's intoning things like that's his choice for this character but i do wonder if some of it comes from his stage work because when i was looking at his credits and his biography the other actors that were getting mentioned were some of these you know titans of the british stage um yeah and he's one of them but he he never really uh uh kind of hit in in film i think like he did on the stage no Um, but and and oh go ahead no no go ahead it gives me I was time to look s- up the pronunciation before I butcher it. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to. But um, he he appeared on on my show, No Time for Heroics, in the movie Spawn, uh, mm. which I don't recommend you find. But he <laughs> is is playing Cogliostro in Spawn, and also is narrating most of the movie, and gets oh, to wow. deliver the the immortal line. A new Hellspawn has emerged from darkness. His necroplasmic body racked by pain. And really, only he could deliver that line. So it's nice to see him again. Nice. Um, it reminded me a little bit, not the delivery so much, but the fact that I'm thinking so much about it, of um, John, come on, Google. Heal good. Uh, 
whose name I've been butchering most of my life. He's in the original Arthur, which my family quotes like it's our job. And part of what makes his lines so memorable is the way he's saying them. It's not just the lines. It's his, it's absolutely his delivery. And so that kind of reminded me of this scene where, I mean, what we just quoted, no, no, my slippers. I just said it. It wasn't memorable. It's the way he says everything that you're like, oh, you just made that a lot, you know, two guesses. It's, it's, I think it is one of those translations from the stage to film. That yeah, the absolutely. way the 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 rhythm of your talking is not what we're used to in film, and it's great when they're the only ones in the movie doing it. Um, and sorry, now I'm bouncing all over because yeah, a lot of my notes were about how this minute is insane, guys. This minute yeah. is insane. It um, is. We we get to finally see the slippers in this minute too. It's crazy. And yeah, I I've got some notes on that in that. You know, it's it's weird because, of course, we've been talking a bit about the ruby slippers, but and I'm sure you've mentioned the slippers weren't ruby in the books. This is adapting; they're silver. Uh, mm-hmm. They were only made ruby in the MGM movie because they were trying to take advantage of color and show everybody, look at this color film we've got. Um, and but I, I guess this movie figured that people knew the ruby slippers so much from that movie they needed to. They needed to show that off. Like, did they need to get the rights for these? Like, what happened here? They did. They had to specially pay MGM for the rights. That's why the Scarecrow and uh, Tin Woodsman and La- Cowardly Lion, we see them look like the pre-MGM illustrations because they yeah. didn't to pay for that, but they paid for use of the term Ruby Slippers. Um, and these were, I'm trying to think where my notes on the actual shoes were, but... These shoes themselves were a huge drama because the way they were made, they were super fragile. Okay. Um, like the the beating on them just came off the slightest thing. So, I, not very I'm practical. Assuming not very practical at all. And uh, Nickel Williamson probably is a little bit better about it, but apparently, uh, Fruza Balk and certain other people in this movie who we haven't talked about really yet. So we're pretending that's still a surprise. Um were like not allowed to wear them unless they absolutely had to because wow. they had habits of, you know, just tapping their heels when they were kicking their legs and fidgeting and then things were flying all over the place and they'd been horribly expensive to make in the first place. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Williamson was doing the same thing. But, um, um, there is something so crazy <laughs> and incongruous about seeing him wearing these here. He's this monstrous rock thing and then he's like hey man check out my fabulous slippers they just kind of peek out from under his robe it's so weird yeah um i had the note to put this in 2017 acceptable terms and i didn't so screw it no wonder i loved rocky horror as a teen and was totally ready to accept the premise of that movie because i had watched this seven billion times already when i was younger it's like yeah yeah don't sometimes powerful dudes just got red heels (laughs) yeah he's into it man (laughs) I, I want to know what kind of tights he's wearing under that too. He he is absolutely oh fitting into this universe. What I mean, live your truth. Here? Yeah, I'm okay with this. Yep, yep. It's it's a good time. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming like that there are no references to that movie in the script. <laughs> no editorializing on that point. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
Uh, I'm sure Tim Curry was bandied about as a possible actor for the Gnome King at some point when they were casting oh, this movie. Oh, man. That would have been awesome. Yeah, it just says, are you sure you didn't come back for these? It doesn't, it doesn't say anything else. Does it say bum, bum, bum in all capital letters? <laughs> I mean, oh, to be fair, though, when he's having this conversation, he is not making a terrible point. They weren't no. hers. No, they were the They're witches. Not her ruby slippers. And this is interesting thematically, I think, you know, in, in it's an inversion of what happens in the book, because in the book, he has a magic wishing belt. And uh, yes! and Dorothy yes. steals that from him. And, and it's interesting because he's now stolen her magic object from her in theory. I mean, um, they're not his either. But the look no. on her face, it's like, but they're not. And, and that look comes before he explains like, oh, yeah, I use these to destroy everything. Exactly. You, and you and that that goes into the larger theme here, because throughout this movie, Dorothy has been trying to obliterate Oz. You know, when when we meet her initially, she's trying to forget about Oz and how great it was and just accept that she's going to live on this dirt farm for the rest of her life. And and then, you know, she goes into this horrific sanitarium trying to remove Oz and, and specifically trying to remove, you know, childhood things. It's time to put fantasy behind you. And get out of this and, and accept the real world. And that's what he's saying. Like, yeah, you were so anxious to forget about all this and get out of here and get back to the real world. I was able to destroy all of your, your dreams for you, which is what you've been trying to do this whole time. Um, and so she, there's a shot of Veruza Balk here where she realizes that this is what she was after the whole time. And it was probably not a good way to go um, right after when he says, when, when he thanks her. He's like, oh, mm -hmm. thank you for for being so anxious to get out of here. But, you know, thematically, that's fine. But, I mean, we all know better. This is all on Glinda, right? Like, this is Glinda's <laughs> fault. She is dropping Where the ball the here. Where the heck is Glinda? Like, Dorothy is just a kid. She was going home, and, and she's supposed to be blamed because she went, like, no, there was a giant, like, magical bubble lady here that was supposed <laughs> to protect all this. Like, she could have picked up those slippers. Yeah, you this would is just think... ridiculous. You would think that Glinda kind of owes it to the kingdom to be watching over these uh, apparently ludicrously powerful shoes. <laughs> oh, it is firmly on Glinda. Like, the whole point, if this is based mostly as a sequel to the MGM musical, which it it, it has to be in some respect. Like, the the most of the arc of that plot is that Dorothy has won the, the ruby slippers by killing... The Witch of the East, or or whichever. Which is problematic it in its own way, but sure. Yes. I've killed you and took your stuff, and uh, and and the Wicked Witch of the West, who has a better claim on these shoes. Yeah, those belong to my dead sister. You killed. Could I have those? Um, never gets them, and Glinda is trying to prevent her from getting them because they're so powerful. Like this is the central arc of that movie, and then we get into mm -hmm. this movie, and it's just like, yeah, so uh, they just kind of slipped off your feet, even though you know the last movie it was like, oh yeah, nothing could remove these shoes, by the way, because nothing short of killing yeah. Dorothy, the witch can't take them. But here, like, That's oh, they just right. slipped off your feet, and Glinda spent a whole movie trying to keep these out of the hands of evil. But whatever, man, I got them now. <laughs> Aren't they fabulous? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's 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 so weird. And part of me is enjoying our little minute of the big reveal of how all this has worked. 
and of of he what he's got me, under his robe. Well, it's, it's the, and the, way the big reveal of his fabulous underdressings. The big reveal in many ways. How about that? Yeah. Um, and you know, we learned he was only able to conquer the Emerald City because he found them, and all this. Um, all right, last uh, reference for a minute. He reminds me so much of Donald Sutherland in Animal House in this minute. <laughs> I, you mentioned a teacher and I'm mentioning a professor. The the tone of voice, the smoothness of like, oh, well, thank you. Like, oh, if he takes a bite of an apple, I'm done. I can't deal. <laughs> oh, he's such a smarmy jerk. I, I yeah. his, his delivery is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a good time. Um, all right. Um, Mike, do you have movie references you want to make? Because I know... As much as we both love this movie and how much we bonded over it, a lot of times we don't get each other's other references. So I'm assuming uh, Arthur and Animal House didn't come up in your notes. No, I didn't have any notes about uh, actually about other other movies for this minute. Okay. I do have a note that's a follow up to a note from the beginning of the podcast where I had a revelation in. <gasps> approximately minute 25 it's on page oh, 25 man. i don't have the minute written written down for the scene uh, but i had a revelation watching it minute by minute months ago <laughs> and had to, had to write it down just so that we could get to this point so when when we when we get rock view and we we hear we hear the gnome king before we ever see him but we do see some of his minions and we see their face moving and there's a red glow which I always assumed was, you know, fire uh, or, or something. The glow is the, it's the ruby slippers. Every time we go to the yeah. rock face, oh. it's got, the glowing red is the ruby slippers. Because it's the gnome king. I mean, he does, he's not human, so I don't know how he's wearing the slippers. What, he, did, he doesn't the have. The whole rock feet, the humanoid form thing going on. Yeah, he doesn't quite have form in the beginning, but. However, he just slipped he's... his pebbles into there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. However he's doing it, like, that's the glow of the ruby slippers. And <laughs> Yeah, I've you're 100% correct, yeah. Way too wow. many times, and it never occurred to me until until this, this last viewing, uh, watching it minute by minute to prepare for the podcast. It's the benefit of the minute by minute format. This is amazing. Yeah, and it just blew my mind, and I, I almost said something in the beginning, but I was like, well... That's that's so far away that we see the, the reveal <laughs> of the slippers. Like if I say it now, it doesn't Aww. make any sense. Aww. Does that feel cathartic to finally say? <laughs> I never thought of that though, because I mean, like a fiery underground cavern makes sense. So why would you think of that? It but does make sense. That makes total sense that it's the ruby slippers. I also love the idea that he's usually just like rocking out with his feet up, glowing all over the place, but. He hid them Wouldn't because be? Dorothy was coming down. Yeah, he's like, yeah. this has to be an incredible reveal. I am going <laughs> to stick it to her. He is such a drama queen. <laughs> if only William Shatner had been considered. <laughs> he basically <laughs> oh. is. Yeah, that's, that's what's going on here. Mm. Are you sure? You didn't come back for these. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's not. It's not too late, Bill, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not too, it's not too late to be in Return to Oz. Um, 
I um maybe a little bit late. <laughs> oh no, we, we we can tie this back to uh, a couple we a couple weeks back. Uh, the William Shatner sweeted return to Oz. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> wow. We'll, we'll bring sweeted films back because you know. If you didn't watch enough the last time I mentioned it, now you're going to go back and be like, don't you wish Transformers had been done by just a bunch of guys in cardboard boxes? Wouldn't really that have do. been great? Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Now I'm thinking about Star Trek. So you did have a reference I didn't have. <laughs> oh, well, this is, this is, we've learned quite a lot in this minute. We've learned a lot about each other. And and the Gnome King. But yes, yes, I mean about each other. No, I'm just yeah. um, it's brought up some questions that I never thought I'd have. Um, thanks for that mental image of uh, what kind of stockings is the Gnome King wearing. But all right, it's fine. It's fine. Um, hey, you know, you got to go there sometimes. It, it kind of is the way of these. I think when you're looking at a movie this closely, your brain does strange things. Sometimes it has amazing breakthroughs, like realizing something is foreshadowing like an hour ago. Um, but sometimes it just it just breaks you um, <laughs> a little bit temporarily. Well, I so uh, as a running theme uh, on this podcast of movies I haven't seen that are part, part of the cultural zeitgeist, I have not seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. So I do not get any of these references that you've been making about it. Uh, I think it's come up a couple times every time the rocks are doing something. Well, it took me a long time to see the Rocky horror picture show. And, and when I did, uh, I did it in a dangerous way because uh, I, I had a, I had a, no, not, I mean, I didn't like go to a showing and stuff, but I had a, a movie exchange night with one of my friends. We, we showed each other movies that the other person hadn't seen. And we watched back-to-back -back, uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And that is not how I recommend spending an evening because though those are both really great movies, we, we both had really painfully skewed perceptions of reality coming out of those movies. And, <laughs> like, it was even difficult to walk. It was, it was very strange. Oh, no. I have... Um... Oh, again, I was in drama in high school. We, me and my group of friends were really into Rocky Horror. I always said when I turned 18, I was going to go to a showing in Manhattan. And my dad is looking and goes, you think so, huh? Yeah, you're not doing that. Um, and I was like, no, when I'm 18, you can't stop me. And of course, by the time I turned 18, I I still haven't been to a showing in Manhattan. But um, uh, VH1 used to play Rocky Horror on Halloween. And it would say at the bottom, like, the actions to do. I remember that. Um, obviously edited for television because it was, I'm pretty sure, sure. it was VH1. Um, but yeah, I have um, Christmas cards from friends in high school or like, you know, when we graduated and stuff and everything is signed, like, don't dream it, be it. And all that. Um, like, it is a really good movie. It is weird, but like super enjoyable. And I'm actually now kind of thinking I should host a party and we should all come over and watch it around Halloween. Um, cause I don't know if Chris has seen it either. And the idea of, I mean, Chris has been on this show. He's a pretty straight laced guy. The yeah. idea of his reaction to, oh no, he has, he's seen, um, when they did the live show a couple years ago, he has seen it, but he hasn't seen the original movie, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. It's a great musical. 
just a heads up that it is a musical, which a lot of people didn't realize, including Chris going into it. I guess I didn't know it was a musical. Yeah, it's, but it's so much more. <laughs> um, that was actually my soundtrack that when I was driving late at night, I always had it in the car and I would put that on and make myself sing along to stay awake. Uh, just a little trick. You know what? Unless you're Mike, if you grew up watching Return to Oz, Rocky Horror Picture Show has probably crossed your path at some point. So I feel like many of our listeners probably can relate. And I'm just saying it's a really good soundtrack for singing along to so that you can't fall asleep when you're driving at like 3 a.m. Good call. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. Um, this movie does not have... It's not a musical, which... Uh, in some ways missed opportunity, but in other ways makes it a little more not evergreen compared to the 1939 film, but it is just like an inherent cheesiness in a movie being a musical. Does that make sense? Sure. It's it's very surreal. It's it's not you you have to accept that this is an uh, a, not a picture that takes place in reality. Mm, yeah, it's good advice for both kids movies and <laughs> and teenagers movies <laughs> or any movie um, really yeah i guess we should kind of accept that that's the point of movies it's like the the uh steven spielberg quote i dream for a living um anyway i've completely lost track of how we got here i've enjoyed it don't get me wrong but I, it's been I quite think, a trip yeah what a, what a long strange trip it's been hmm. Really? No one's going to call me on that? Cool. All right. Anyway, um, do, do you guys want to do plugs or do you just want to wrap up so we can get to tomorrow? I'm excited about tomorrow. Um, if you are excited about tomorrow but need something to do in the meantime, I will just say really quickly, check out returntoozminute.com, which has previous episodes and links to all our stuff. And I believe, Mike, do you put a link to our guest podcast there? Yeah, uh, well, there's, yeah, there's a link, there's a, a guest page, and it shows w- which guests were on which episodes. Okay. Uh, has a little blurb about them, how to find their stuff. It's marginally up to date. It might be like <laughs> a week behind or something, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, but yeah, it, so you can, if, if you've got a favorite guest, like, if you've heard of Crystal Beth, guess what? She did a couple minutes of our show. If you just like her, you can listen to those. Oh, man, that sounds amazing. (laughs) You can complete the set of Crystal Beth minutes. Like, if if all you wanted, if if you were just listening to Crystal Beth's guest minutes on all the podcasts as one big weird movie, you can do that. That would be fun to line up. I wonder if she's been on different minutes enough that you could make a whole movie out of. Oh, that would be amazing. She's been on all of them, right? Like, she's the queen of minute podcasts. All or almost. Yeah, and well, and she organized the meetup in Chicago uh, in 2017, which is this year, okay. but I'm getting better about not referring to current events. Um, yeah, oh, I didn't even think of that. That would be really fascinating to look at if the numbers lined up. But, but what I was going to say is that's also... You could go if you want to find more of today's lovely guest, Andrew Hawthorne. Yay! <laughs> yes, or you could find me uh, over at notimeforheroics.com where uh, where I post my stuff. And, and yeah. you can find... Uh, we've done a couple musicals on our show, too, so you can find them there. Yeah. I'm just so distracted now. I'm thinking about so many different movies, and they're running through my head. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is... 
I, I got very distracted towards the end of today. But that's all right because we're going to regroup, come back tomorrow, and I assume Dorothy is about to, like, lose her mind and, like, attack this guy and steal the shoes back. Definitely. She's going to berserker I mean, barrage him. Yeah. Yeah, look, look at her face and tell me this isn't going to turn violent pretty soon. <laughs> I assume that about Feruza Balk most of the time. <laughs> oh. What's her WWE name, Mike? <laughs> uh, uh, Dorothy the Gale, right? She's oh. like a hurricane. I like it. Dorothy the Gale, uh, Feruza Bruiser Balk. Oh. <laughs> I, I think, I, think I, I like this a lot. All right, so come back tomorrow and maybe we'll come up with even more names by then. Or maybe not. All right. Roller Derby Minute. Yeah. <laughs> Weog. Teog. Heog. Heog.